Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio. Brought to you by OnPay, Atlanta's new standard in payroll. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Atlanta Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, OnPay. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Atlanta Business Radio, we have Steve Green with Fleet Corps. Welcome, Steve. Welcome. Hi, Lee. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm excited to learn what's going on over there. But before we get too far into things, just let the listener know about uh, Fleet Corps. How are you serving, folks? Yeah, thank you. So Fleet Corps is a global leader in business payments. We help businesses enable and control what they purchase and the bills that they pay. And we do that um, across the world. We have uh, over 10,000 employees, over 800,000 clients um, in the U.S., in Europe, and in Brazil. Now, um, obviously, you're one of the largest companies here in Atlanta, what was kind of the genesis of the idea? You didn't start out as a super large company. What was it like when you were a small company? Yeah, the business was kind of founded um, in 2000, and it started as a small regional fuel card business that was on the verge of bankruptcy um, at the time. And slowly over the years, we've we've grown um, both organically and through acquisitions, Um so now to the extent that um, the fuel car business that we originally started out as is, is less than half of our, of our revenues, and the rest of the business is spread between uh, corporate payment products, which we can talk about, lodging solutions, uh, some prepaid solutions we offer businesses, and as well as tolls. And we serve, um, originally we serve, you know, obviously businesses that had fleets, in vehicles that they were looking to fuel. And now we serve uh, businesses of all types, of all sizes, and in just about every industry. Now, are you using technology in these kind of uh, complementary in- industries that you were using with the fleet business, or is this like totally different kind of uh, technology? Yeah, so it, it varies from business to business. We, um, we Technology forms a critical part of all of our businesses. Um, and you can think of our businesses as having it's a network. So on one side, we have clients, the businesses, and on the other side, we have merchants or places where those businesses do um, go and and buy stuff. And so sitting in between the merchants and the clients are IT systems. And those IT systems do vary a little bit from the fuel car business, which, you know, helps uh, manage and control how much fuel is put in the gas tank or what type of fuel is put in to, more of a, a corporate payments AP type application where our systems are um, verifying that a bill is ready to be paid and then it helps execute the payment. So the, the technologies are in some ways similar, but the actual code is, is, is pretty different from business to business. Now, how does um, how do you decide which kind of vertical to go into when you decide to kind of expand? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question. So um, we look at uh, things that are related to what we do. And um, so those would be kind of specialty payment products 
in those businesses typically have pretty similar business model characteristics. So we focus a lot on what kind of products and solutions the business offers and the, the, the business model characteristics that those businesses have. So we look for things that have other specialty payment applications and solutions. And then we look for things that have, um, uh, so call it recurring revenues. They're a network business. They have similar distribution and sales channels that we're familiar with from the businesses we operate today. We look for things with, with high growth and low capital intensity. Um, so those are some of the things that we look for when we start to expand. And then how do you decide whether to kind of build your own rather than buy an existing uh, company in that space? Yeah, it's a, it's a super good question. So um, we typically buy things for one of um, three reasons. Um, the first is if we want to enter a new market space um, or extend an area that we're in already. Um, and a lot of times buying a business is um, it's easier to buy something than to start it from scratch. The second thing we do in terms of deciding whether to build organically or, or buy something is, um, is speed. So we're in a hurry. We have high growth aspirations and organic growth and starting stuff from scratch can take, can take longer in many cases. And so if we want to go fast in a certain area, we, we, we choose to acquire. And then the last thing is we, it's helpful for um, creating value for our shareholders. And so there'll be um, businesses that we look at where we can either have some kind of um, uh, cost energy where it's a similar business that, you know, is supporting um, two finance teams, for example, we only need one, or there's a revenue synergy where maybe a company has a great product, but it hasn't been able to invest in um, sales, sales or distribution capability. And those are channels that we would already have. So we take an existing product and we can pump it through our sales channel and, and help that business grow faster. So they may not, your uh, acquisition target may not be kind of the biggest player in the space, but they might have kind of the bones of something that you can put your secret sauce on that you can, you think can accelerate the growth. Yeah, exactly. So let me, let me give you a couple examples. So we, we acquired a business um, early last year, which is a company called Rogers um, based both here and over in um, Scandinavia. And that was really more of a product acquisition. They had a, a small business bill pay software application um, and it was a relatively new business. They'd only been around for three or four years. And so it had great technology, but still hadn't had time yet to build a big customer base. So we bought that company the beginning of last year, and we're now taking that product. We've rebranded it into CorePay One, and now we're rolling it out through our existing uh, distribution channels and offering that same software tool back to the businesses that already uh, take some of our products. So that'd be something where the business is earlier stage and we're, we're super interested in it. And then we did another deal last year, a company called Apex, which was a larger business. It was in the cross-border payment space, um, but they had tens of thousands of accounts, but it was a complementary geography. It wasn't in an area that we already were in. And so that was an opportunity for us to buy a, a more mature, larger business 
but was really complementary to what we are all uh, we already had. So it's a bit of both. I mean, both small businesses are interesting to us, and larger, more mature businesses are interesting as well. Now, how did COVID impact the uh, acquisitions? Was that something where things paused, um, or was that something where you had the foot on the gas? Yeah, no, it's I, the answer is a bit of both. So I think, like everyone else, probably out there, if you if you ask me that question in March of of twenty twenty. I think we we paused. We weren't sure what was going to happen. Um, we weren't sure if it was a good idea to spend a bunch of capital on acquisitions or should we hunker down. Um, and as 2020 rolled into 2021, uh, we got more comfortable with how with the outlook, um, with how our clients were doing, and we really chose to to step on the gas. And so 2021 was one of our best years ever in terms of acquisitions. We. Uh, we closed eight acquisitions, spent over a billion dollars, um, and we really used COVID to um, focus on some areas of growth that we're really excited about and try to add to some businesses, um, the footprint of some businesses that we already own. So it, the answer is kind of a bit of both. Can you share a little bit about what it was like during that time of crisis when you were all hunkered down and just kind of getting the lay of the land? What were some of the conversations you were having in terms of the trade-offs of going in either direction, whether it's hunkering down or putting your foot on the gas? What can you share a little bit about the thought process and the the mood and the like? I'm sure there was uh, spirited conversations, and and I think a lot of people can learn from a company like yours going through a crisis in that way. What were some of the things you were afraid of and look, you know, saw opportunity? Like, just go through kind of what was happening there. Yeah, no, it's 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 a good question. So we, um, the first thing we looked at was what's happening with our clients, the businesses that we serve. Are they is COVID going to be uh, is going to help them or is it going to hurt them? And particularly for the businesses that we're going to struggle, um, what can we do to protect you know Fleet Corps and at the same time be be helping our business? companies, you know, continue to operate. And so we looked at for things like, you know, credit lines. Is it, are we extending the inappropriate amount of credit to our clients? Um, are we, um, in terms of accepting new accounts, is it the right profile account that we want to accept? Or do we want to be a little more conservative with what new accounts that we offer? And then I'd say we had a close, um, tracking of of cash flow in those days and payments and people are they staying current how are they doing etc so that was really i'd say the the very early days of covid getting our handle around the health of our clients and the types of sales and new accounts we wanted to accept that was really what happened there if you flip over to once we decided to move pivot back into acquisitions that all a lot of those discussions were what is the impact of COVID on this particular acquisition target? And, it, you know, I have to tell you, it was a little bit of a tale of two cities. And so some businesses were helped by COVID. They were businesses that were um, had software tools that helped um, companies pay bills, pay bills, but do so with a remote workforce where people aren't in the office. So you can digitize invoices and AP clerks can work from home. There are other businesses, like we have a, a lodging business. Those businesses, um, you know, travel was down a lot. 
And so then we get into the, you know, the, the forecasting business of trying to figure out how long will volumes be down and what's the rate at which they'll start to come back. And when we structure a deal so that the buyer Fleecor is comfortable with taking some risk on the recovery, but we can also produce, you know, an attractive enough offer to the seller so that maybe we share some risk so that we, you know, if it does, we offer a little bit of money, maybe at closing. And then if it does a little bit better, we give them some more money. And if it, you know, kind of meets expectations even more, we give them some more money. So we kind of created structures in those days around the recovery to help match what was going to happen in the future with the ultimate proceeds that the that the seller would get. Now, can you talk a little bit about your offering to the small business market? Yeah, so we do. It's, it's an exciting time to be in our business. So uh, I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, we have things that products that help enable and control what's purchased. So think of those are like fuel cards or a T&D card. And then we have another set of solutions that help businesses enable and control the bills that are paid. So think about this as, you know, I'm in a home office, the headquarters, and I'm paying AP bills that are coming in. What we're trying to do for small businesses is both. So we're trying to provide um, specialized payment tools so that people who are out in the field can buy what they need to buy to do their jobs, fuel or supplies for a construction uh, business, and help the small business owner pay the bills as they come to. And we're putting that on a platform for those businesses. That's kind of a software platform. So they can manage all the expenses that they have to manage their operation. They can pay all the bills that they have coming into the central office and wrap that with a nice piece of software. So it's a, it's an easy way of doing both things. And typically for most of the small business owners, you had a credit card doing the walk around stuff and you had QuickBooks or something kind of managing your AP. So we've kind of, try to create a solution that helps small businesses do both of those things in one convenient UI. And is that getting traction? Yeah, we, the product's called CorePay One. So we've, you know, it's that's the thing we bought from Roger I mentioned earlier. We've got a few thousand accounts on it today. And the real interesting thing is we can take that product back to the, we have hundreds of thousands of fuel card accounts. So we can take that product back to the, to the fuel card accounts we have who are just using a fuel card and we can add on this core pay one solution. So it's a, it's a pretty exciting thing we're working on. Now, um, is there anything kind of, if you're kind of forward looking a little bit, are there any areas that you're not in yet that you're looking to branch out into? Yeah, so it's a, it's a good question, particularly on the M and A side. So I'd say um, the answer is we're, we're continuing to do what we're good at, which is you know bait, stick with what we know and invest and buy businesses that we're familiar with, and fuel and toll and lodging and corporate payments. So we'll keep doing that. And then I'd say two areas which we're starting to get into a little bit more are um, electric vehicles. So the world is transitioning from fossil fuel powered vehicles to electric vehicles over uh, some period of time. And so we want to be there to help our clients manage that tra- uh, transition. So we've done, uh, we've announced a couple different investments, one with a connected car company, and then another with a, uh, a software tool that helps um, 
clients manage um, fueling at home. And so we're, we're starting to get more into EV. So that's the first area. And then the second thing is, is more of a technology, a software tool where, you know, our products typically have been, you know, point of sale purchases or, you know, helping send out and pay bills. There's a lot of work that a small business will go through before those things happen. So there's approvals that need to be made. There's expense reports that need to be filled out. Um, so there's basically a, a, a set of workflows that need to take place. And we think we can attach some software tools that help a business do those things and marry them up with our payment products to basically help clients do even you know more things inside their business. So those are two areas, EV and software, we're starting to look pretty closely at and start to make some investments. And regarding EV, that's both the fleets and individual, like uh, just a homeowner, like a regular person. Mostly on the we, we have a. It's mostly on, the the short answer is mostly for businesses. That's where we're really. That's the thing we're really emphasizing. Not as much for consumers. So the business, like the people who are using EV with the trucking. Correct. It's more. I'd say trucking will probably interesting in EV. So the the transition to EV is going to happen at at a different pace for different types of vehicles and in different markets, countries. And so I think the, the, the last use application will probably be kind of 18 wheelers. That, that's a harder thing to, uh, to solve. The first thing we're seeing are kind of um, sedans or, or small vans. Those, those cars are going to go to EV faster um, than big 18 wheelers. And we're already seeing it in our businesses in Europe. So it's already happening overseas? Yes, absolutely. Well, exciting times. Um, is there anything that, um, that you're seeing here in the United States that we should be paying attention to? Yeah, I'd say in tra- there, there's, there's, I think for 2022, there's three things that, that we have a pretty close eye on that'll in fact, they'll impact not only the amount of deals we do in M&A, but also our business, our businesses in general. So what are those things? Number one, we continue to take, you know, keep an eye on COVID and is COVID really gone or do we have lockdowns? So that's one thing that that we monitor and we're in markets all over the, the globe. So, you know, there's countries are at different states of, of, of coming out of the COVID recovery. Number two um, is, is obviously the war in, in Ukraine and how much disruption, what are the ripple effects of that conflict is there going to be um, an impact on some of our European operations and on some some knock-on effects for, for, for those of us here in the U.S.? And then the third one, which I think is the biggest one to keep an eye on, is inflation and the interest rates. So, you know, we're, we're close to 8% inflation right now. The Fed has already communicated that they're going to, they're going to take up interest rates. So we've already started... Um, a round of, of interest rate increases. And I think where interest rates um, top out and the impact on the economy and can the Fed thread the needle without you know, taming inflation but not um, cutting down growth and hurting the economy too much will be a very delicate balance. So that's something we're watching very carefully is, is how – the interest rate progression in the inflation impact, how that kind of plays out throughout uh, 2022. So do you have a gut feeling regarding inflation? 
I think, uh, I don't know. They, they, clearly, we can't be at 8%. I, I think it's going to be, unfortunately, a little more stubborn. I mean, you know, who knows whose crystal ball is more accurate, but I think we're going to have um, some lingering effects of inflation. So I'd probably be a little bit biased towards um, more interest rate increases than less. Um, we 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 haven't seen really any abatement yet, so at least in our businesses. So I'd say I don't know. I think it's going to be it's going to be um, a tough thing to solve. Although I think the the Fed's committed to getting there, and the question is, can they can they keep interest rates low enough without really you know um, bringing the yeah, economic growth down too much? Right, it is threading the needle and. But I mean, so everybody I think is is cautious now. They assume there's going to be some impact, obviously, and it's just a matter of how quickly we can work through it. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. So, um, what do you need more of? How can we help? Are you looking? You're actively, obviously, looking for uh, partners to uh, acquire, uh, and are you looking for talent right now? What's your? Um, how do you feel about that? Because I think that's an unintended consequence of the Ukraine situation. There's a lot of developers over there that a lot of companies um, use. So is talent uh, something that you're um, kind of on the hunt for as well? Yeah, no, we, um, you know, it's strong, strong management really, really obviously makes a difference. Um, we're, it's kind of a crazy hiring market right now. I'm, I'm hiring on my team, the, I know that our, our IT folks are, are continue to hire. We, you know, a growing company needs more folks, and so I think um, there's it's it's been tough to recruit people. I think the silver lining there, which is something we're starting to experiment with, is you know, you used to have folks you hired them, they went into an office and they were you know, so you, when you wanted to hire, it was it was helpful to have people in the in the community where you're hiring people. And so that's obviously our preference for a lot of the jobs. But we're evolving to more of a, a hybrid approach where we're going to be flexible with some roles and let people, you know, not have to come into the office every single day. And I think that might alleviate some of the bottlenecks in terms of hiring people is to offer some kind of hybrid approach. And like, you know, we're studying pretty carefully, like on, on sales side, you know, it used to be you're going to set up a sales force. You need two people in Dallas and two people in New Orleans and two people in L.A. I think it's interesting to think about how the, the labor markets evolved that maybe you can have kind of a, um, a zoom based sales force, right? You don't need everyone in the, you know, you don't need to hire two people in every single market that you're in, for example. And so I think that's kind of an interesting thing that we, that we're studying and, and taking a look at to get us some um, relief from some of the labor constraints that we're seeing in some of the markets we're hiring. In. Right. Cause it's a lot more affordable to hire them, you know, in the middle of the country than, on the West coast specifically. Yeah. But it's cost, but it's also just, we can hire a lot more people. I'd say it's both of those leads. We it's, it's, it's certainly cost makes a factor, but you know, if we want to add 50 people, if you could, if you're not geographically constrained, right. Then find 50 people in the same city. I think it's, it's helpful as well. Right. Cause the world's your oyster now. Now yeah, it's, yeah, it's game on. Now sure. you can get the best from anywhere instead of just that one locale. Right. Absolutely. You can go with it. You where the talent is the best. So you're not, you're not as, as, as constrained like we used to be, I think. Right, but then you have the challenge of how do I get them as part of the culture and get all that kind of soft stuff right um, with that remote employee. So right, that has its own Absolutely. challenges. Yep, you got it. So now uh, if somebody wants to learn more about Fleet Corps, what's a website? 
Yeah, it's www.fleetcore.com. Um, talk, you can learn a little bit about the clients we have, the, the products that we offer, and a little bit more about the company. Good stuff. Well, Steve, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Uh, you're doing important work, and we appreciate you. Thanks, Lee. I appreciate the time. Thank you very much for having me. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Atlanta Business Radio.